about the man she saw Then she took her picture and went to the well Water she intended to draw The stranger she met there she didn't know where he came Trouble in my way. I've had to cry sometimes. I have to cry 
trouble Stepped in the furnace, in the furnace, long time ago, time ago, with Shadrach and Meshach, and Abednego, now they wasn't worried, this I know. Welcome to Christ Community Church. Go ahead and stand with us in the hallway. Come on in, grab a seat, but don't sit down. Stand up. We're going to worship together and sing. It's going to be a good morning. Closer and closer, the kingdom of heaven. It's beautiful ashes. It's morning to dancing. Closer and closer, the kingdom of heaven. It's beautiful ashes. It's morning to dancing. Closer and closer, the kingdom of heaven. It's beautiful ashes. It
morning, Christ Community Church. Y'all doing okay this morning? Again, we're glad you're here with us. Have we had enough coffee and donuts yet? All right, let's sing and worship together this morning. Let's go. from now we'll see the fruit our hands have sown faith just like a seed the only way it grows oh oh I just need love Walk humbly with you, God, in all things, in all ways. Walk humbly with you, God, oh, in all things, in all ways. Walk humbly with you, God. Again, good morning. You need more coffee and donuts, apparently. Wake up. We're so glad you're here today with us. You know it's a good day when you got Justin on drums. Hey. Bethany's here singing with us. Colton's here preaching. It's going to be a great day. We're going to actually do in person. Brenda, if you want to come on up. In person call to worship, which is rare. So this is going to be great. Take it away, Brenda. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Good morning, C3. What a difference a year makes. This time last year, we were all on screens. God is so good. Please join me now for our call to worship found in Luke, the 17th chapter, 11 through the 19th verses. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them turned when he saw, him, saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, he prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Thank you for the gift of today, June 27th, 2021. Please give us the faith of the Samaritan who was healed of leprosy. Father, give us a mind and a heart of thankfulness. Thank you, O God, for eyes to see. Thank you for ears to hear. Thank you for a tongue to praise you. God, the breath that's in our body, you gave it to us. Our lungs are filled with praise for you. God, we thank you that the bed we slept in last night was not our cooling board. 
We thank you, O oh God, that when we woke up this morning, we knew who we were. We knew where we were. Go, O oh God, we just thank you. Thank you that we know that all good and perfect gifts come from you. O oh God, we just say, thank you, sir. Thank you for everything. God, now we ask you to open our minds, our hearts, and our eyes that we may receive what it is the Spirit has to say to us today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen.
went looking for Wes, but never found him. And guilt went looking for my past, but only found love. Heard about a sea where sin sinks like stones. There's no floor there, just mercy down below. There's so much grace. There's so much grace. There's so much grace There's so much grace Heard about a man with holes in his hands He can hide mountains of sin in them his smile destroyed my religion. His love, it shakes down my prison. There's so much grace. There's so much grace. There's so much grace There's so much grace And I could run for all my days But I never run away There's no mistake I could make that could ever make you change and I could run for all my days but I never run there's no mistake I could make that could
children, if you will uh, go ahead and dismiss at this point, and uh, along with our youth as well, and uh, if you'll follow your respective teachers in the right direction, all those little ones. Echo the words uh, that Brenda shared with us this morning. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord again? Um, it's just uh, great to see faces again and, um, and be able to worship together as a, as a group of individuals, so thank you. For being here this morning and we have uh speaking for us larry is uh taking a few days off on vacation and uh, we had us uh, kidding with uh, mick a while ago we had to approve him get a background check all those things before we let him go but i think he's okay and uh, but he's down enjoying some time with his family and uh, so colton is with us this morning colton is uh, uh, no stranger to us we know him very well and uh, so he's going to bring our message this morning so colton if you'll come on up please Think it's on? There we go. Uh, I'm going to grab this real fast. Chris said he would do it for me, but he's a liar. So I'm kidding. Actually, I don't know you well enough to call you a liar. Uh, it's good to see y'all. Some of you I've known for a long time when I worked here uh, many years ago. But uh, if, I, if you don't know me, uh, hopefully I can get to know you a little bit uh, after after the service today, but uh, I'm Larry's son-in-law. Ten years ago in August, he uh, let me marry his daughter, which was uh, such a gift. Um, so we're going to celebrate our 10-year anniversary, and from that particular yes that he said at a Panera on Poplar that he said I could marry her, uh, which took a bit. Um, I got my son and all the rest of it, and so uh, I love Larry. Um, one of the things I was thinking about, uh, and he's not here so I can say this, um, and then you guys don't tell him because it's really nice of him. Um, I don't want him to get a big head, but uh, one of the things I really, when I was drawn to Larry the first time, like his love and compassion for the broken, the outcast, the um, non-religious seekers of Jesus really stuck out to me. Um, now, <laughs> I think it's gotten him, him into trouble with like hyper-religious people at times, uh, but I think that was also true of Jesus, and so he gets to share that with our Savior. Um, and so I think Jesus was constantly not condemning the right people for the religious people, and he was constantly loving those that he wasn't supposed to be loving. And to me, like, that, that was what I noticed about Larry when I met him. Um, and so I, I just love that, that there's, there's such a, I don't know, just such a similarity there between him and Jesus in that particular way. Um, anyways, he's, he taught me how to pursue Jesus, and I think more than anything, and maybe you guys can agree, he, he taught me how much Jesus actually really loves me. Um, and that he loves me and he likes me. Uh, and that was really, that's really been a substantial gift in my life that he has provided. Uh, I think it's shaped my life, the way that I parent, the way that I love my wife, and uh, hopefully the way that I pastor as well. So uh, again, don't tell him any of that. I don't want him to get a big head. That was a joke. You can tell him. All that to say, thank you for the one laugh. Uh, all that to say, uh, I'm grateful to be here. I'm going to read the teaching text again uh, as Brenda read it. Uh, earlier for the call to worship, which was beautiful. Um, but let's read this together. It's Luke 17, 11 through 19. Luke writes, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met there by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. 
And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. And then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell at his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan, and Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise up and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is God's word. I want to talk about today the redemptive practice of expressing gratitude, the redemptive practice of expressing gratitude. And the reason I call it a redemptive practice is because in many ways, I feel like the redemptive work of Jesus, his, his t- taking things in our lives and turning it from death to life, I feel like we experience that when we actually express gratitude for something, when we are actually thankful, but not just thankful internally, but thankful enough to actually express that out loud. I think it gives life to to places where things are dead. I think it brings joy to places where we're not experiencing joy just by the act of expressing how we actually feel when we feel grateful. Um, So we're going to talk about that today. Um, Many of you probably know this, but my son, and if you have children, teaching them to say thank you is going to kill me um, because he just doesn't want to do, like something happens for him and he's five and he's getting better at it. Um, but something happens and we do something nice for him and I, you know, super excited. I took him to Arkansas for like four or five days and at, at the end of it came home and, and my wife, Randy, was like, did you say thank you? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, he actually didn't, but I mean, it was fun. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But teaching him to do that. So to, to get him to say thank you, you know, we're like, hey, we do something for you. What do you say? And he kind of looks at us and is like, I don't know. What do you say? And I'm like, okay, like you need to say thank you. And he's like, Thank you. And he says it kind of like the Hulk. And I'm like, no, we're going to start. We start, you know, let's go again. Say it nice from the heart. And he'll, he'll, he started doing this thing. I think he started doing it with Larry. But he'd be like, Tuh. and he would just say the T. And I was like, what is that? Like, what are you doing to me? And he's like, that's the T of the thank you. And I was like, dude, we could be done by now. Like, you, all you had to say was thank you. And it happens to people on the street. If somebody says something nice to him or does something nice on the playground, I'm like, what do you say? And then we walk through this 10-minute process, and I'm like holding them captive. Like, don't leave until my son says thank you. And they're like, what, do you want me to quit my job? Like, I got I to gotta do something. And I'm just like, please, for the love of God, just say thank you. And uh, again, he's getting better at it. But I just, and all of us, I mean, I think in some, some sense, like we recognize it's important to be grateful. It's important to express that and to say that. Because if it is left untaught, um, that's where entitlement comes from. That's where uh, spoiled children come from and that kind of thing. And they receive but never give thanks. And then you have spoiled children that grow into spoiled adults. And that's no good either because now they have money and can make plans and do stuff. Um, and so in so many ways, like this is very, very important to be grateful. And I think in this passage, you actually see that take shape. Jesus clearly cares about the gratitude that's expressed towards him and the gratitude that's not expressed towards him. And so I want to talk about two things that we see Jesus do. And the first is that um, he actually calls out in gratitude. And the second is that he commends gratitude. And I want to talk about the third thing, just how can we practice this? And it's, it sounds simple and not profound to express gratitude. And yet there's so many things that we can do that we're not actively practicing that can kind of shape how we engage with Jesus in this particular way. So two things that Jesus, is do, Jesus does and then one way that we can uh, and how we can actually practice it. So Jesus calls out in gratitude. This is the first thing that we notice. Jesus, it says in verse 17, then Jesus answered, we're not 10 cleansed. Where are the other nine? And it's the first thing that he notices. The man comes back to him and instead of, instead of commending first, 
and saying, hey, thank you so much for coming back. I healed you. The first thing that he notices is that I healed 10 of you and there's only one back here. It's one of the things that he notices right away. He notices the ingratitude. He wants them to come back and express the gratitude. And it's not simply because Jesus is, is needing it. It's not like he needs it to feel better about himself. It's not that he deserves it even though he does. It's not for that reason. I think he recognizes that when we don't express that, we actually miss out on something. When, we, when, when gratitude is love, when something great happens and we miss out on actually expressing that, I think he recognizes that we're missing out on something. And C.S. Lewis explains this in uh, his reflection on the Psalms. It's a rather long quote, but bear with me, it'll be on the screen. But he talks about this of why Jesus cares and notices ingratitude and then why he calls us to praise him. And this is what he says. Uh, early in his life, C.S. Lewis struggled with the idea that God wants us to thank and praise him. And he writes how he finally came to understand it. And he says, the most obvious fact about praise, whether of God or anything, strangely escaped me. I thought of it in terms of compliment, approval, or the giving of honor. I'd never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise, unless shyness or fear or boring others is deliberately brought into check. The world rings with praise, lovers praising their mistresses, readers their favorite poet, walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game, praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles, even sometimes politicians or scholars. I had not noticed how the humblest and at the same time most balanced and capacious minds praised most, while the cranks, the angry people, misfits and the malcontents praised the least. He says, praise almost seems to be inner health made audible. I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it, saying, isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that magnificent? And so the psalmist, in telling everyone to praise God, are doing what all men do when they speak of what they care about. And he goes on and he says, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because, and this is the most important part, because the praise not merely expresses our joy, but it completes our enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight isn't complete until it's expressed. If it were possible for a created soul fully to appreciate, that is to love and delight in the worthiest object of all, and simultaneously at that moment to give this delight perfect expression, then the soul would be in supreme beatitude. The Scotch Catechism that says man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But we should know that these are the same thing. Fully to enjoy is to glorify. In commanding us to glorify him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. I think in so many ways, what Jesus understands that this man is, these other nine are missing, is like you're missing out on something so substantial for you just to come back and express it. Like it's not fully complete. And we've experienced this in our lives. There's a, there's a reason we, we write Yelp reviews and stuff like that. I went to Torchies yesterday. It was like, it'll be a two hour wait to even get to the thing. And people have ate it, talked about it, and shared it because there's something about the enjoyment of it that needs to be expressed. And so we experience this not only with food or movies or different things that we read or hear or people that we know. But this is, there's just something real about this that C.S. Lewis is trying to get at. And Jesus wants them to experience the fullness of the gift and to fully enjoy it ultimately is to actually be thankful for it. He doesn't want them, again, to thank him because he needs it. He wants them to experience something. And if they don't thank him, in his mind, and I believe in reality, they miss out on the enjoyment. They miss out on a gift and a blessing that Jesus is trying to give them. Uh, Rabbi Lawrence Kushner, in his book, Eyes Remade for Wonder, 
tells a story uh, of a midrash, which is a Jewish commentary uh, on the Torah, and uh, talks about two people, Shimon and Reuven, and kind of talks about this idea as they, their experience of the Red Sea miracle in Exodus, where the Red Sea splits. Uh, he writes, Jewish tradition, in Jewish tradition, the splitting of the Red Sea was the greatest miracle ever performed. It was extraordinary, so extraordinary that on that day, even a common servant beheld more than all the miracles beheld by Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel combined. And yet we have one midrash that mentions two Israelites, Reuven and Shimon, who had a different experience. Apparently, the bottom of the sea, though safe to walk on, was not completely dry, but a little muddy like a beach at low tide. Reuven stepped into it and curled his lip. What is this muck? Shimon scowled. There's mud all over the place. This is just like the slime pits of Egypt, replied Reuven. What's the difference, complained Shimon. Mud here, mud there, it's all the same. And so it went for the two of them grumbling all the way across the bottom of the sea. And look, and because they never once looked up, they never understood why on the distant shore everyone else was singing songs of praise. For Reuven and Shimon, the miracle never happened. And he goes on to say that in epistemology, the, the study of knowledge, that if a tree falls in the forest, it may or may not have made a sound. But he says that with miracles, it doesn't work that way. If a miracle happens and no one takes notice of it, it's like it never happened. And so you just miss it completely. And so the thing that was supposed to happen in order to stir your faith for God and you go like, he can do anything, that didn't take place if it's not recognized. The thing that's supposed to stir your praise to where other people hear and you're reflecting this thankfulness and this gratitude to a God that lets them go like, oh, if he's that great, maybe I want to get on that greatness. That doesn't happen. And so in so many ways, just because of the focus is on the mud and the muck, they're not looking to their left and their right and they're seeing walls of water. They're not seeing any of that. They just miss the entire thing. They're not thankful for the miracle. They, they, they still received the gift and the beauty of the miracle, but they didn't experience that beauty themselves. And I think Jesus, again, when we're not grateful, we don't actually experience the fullness that's available to us. And so he calls out in gratitude, in gratitude for that particular reason. And I think where this happens in our lives, where ingratitude takes root and it's not called out and it's not changed for us, I think where it happens in our marriages, our careers, with our children, our families, uh, with our money, I think where that takes root, all of a sudden we begin not to be to experience joy in those things, we begin to actually experience a lot of uh, the bad things. All we can think of about our marriage, all we can think of about our job, all we can think about our money is either we don't have enough, it's not good enough. And there was a time when it was like, I'm not just, in your marriage, there was a time when I'm not just choosing one person to be with, like I'm choosing you specifically. And then all of a sudden we can get to the space in our marriage where it's like, all I can think about is how I hate you so much or, or the, the, the frustrating things about being in, in relationship with you. And it's like, how did that happen? And I think in so many ways, because we we're looking at the mud and the muck, and that's real, and that's there. But there's so much beauty that we're, that we're, that's left unseen. And so because of ingratitude actually taking root, we become discontent. We become dissatisfied. And this is where we end up and wind up. But giving thanks, giving thanks, as a pastor and theologian Henry Allen Ironside says, he says, giving thanks is the enemy of discontentment. It's the enemy of dissatisfaction. It actually fights against those things. Commentator Stuart, Stuart Briscoe says about the lepers, he says, 10 were healed, but only one was made well. And that's far more important than being healed. The point made here, I think, is that unless gratitude is a part of our nature, we can't be whole people. The other nine were merely healed. And if ingratitude is more deadly than leprosy, then they were in worse shape than they were before. And again, this is why Jesus calls out the nine, not out of anger, but because he knows what will take shape in their lives if they're left without gratitude. And so then he moves on to commend the gratitude. Verse 15 says, Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. 
he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he said to him, Jesus said, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. And again, Jesus doesn't commend this because he needs to be thanked. He's full and pours out. He doesn't need somebody to actually fill him up by giving him thanks. We need that. I need that from my son. Tell me thank you. I did a nice thing. Like We need that. He doesn't need that. He just recognizes that for the people, you'll miss something if, if that happens. Even though he deserves to be thanked, that's not his reason for actually saying this. Jesus understood that gratitude actually adds to our lives a couple of things. One, gratitude stirs our joy. Uh, Michael Ramsden is a Christian apologist. He says, we're not made happy in life by what we acquire, by our stuff, but we're made happy in life by what we appreciate. So not what we acquire, but what we actually go into our world and into our hearts and appreciate. And it's not just Christian ideology that says that. This is scientifically proven that we are made happy not by what we have, but but by what we're thankful for. Uh, A 2003 study conducted by Emmons and McCullough explores the psychological and physical effects of gratitude. For example, they found that if you keep a daily gratitude journal, it contributes to a greater capacity of coping with change, leads to a stronger sense of well-being, reduces your perception of pain, and it helps you sleep better, which is a gift. Uh, Surprisingly, subjects in a 10-week study who wrote daily about the things for which they were thankful also exercised more, and they had fewer visits to a physician. Uh, In the book, Emotional Intelligence, where I got that study, uh, the authors say this. They say the real neural antidepressant is gratitude. The real neural antidepressant is gratitude. Gratitude boosts levels of serotonin and dopamine. These are the brain's happy chemicals and the same chemicals targeted by antidepressant medications. The striking thing about gratitude is that it can even work when things aren't going well for you. That's because you don't actually have to feel spontaneous gratitude in order to produce chemical changes in your brain. You just have to force yourself to think about something in your life that you appreciate. This train of thought activates your brain and makes you feel happier. And again, I think we know this on some level because when we're truly happy, there's normally something that did that for us. If we're at a party and it's our birthday party or you have a bunch of people over and something good happens and you feel joy in your heart, there's normally because something happened and you're feeling joy about that because you're grateful for it. These things are so connected. Or when you're actually thankful, normally there's something that actually leads to joy in your life. These things are, are completely combined. And so in so many ways, that's what they're saying. Like, and, and actually, it doesn't even need to be spontaneous where you're like, well, I don't feel happy or I don't feel thankful. And it's like, that's fine. Run back through your life the way that Brenda just did while she was praying. Like, I have a bed and I have this and I got this and like all these things that we can take for granted. And many times we do, which is normal. I don't think Jesus is throwing down stones at us because we take some of these things for granted. But I think the idea is that he commends it because it's like, you're going to experience something far greater if you would actually press into this practice of, of expressing your gratitude, not just feeling it, but giving it voice and giving it actual uh, outer experience for you when you actually say those words. So it, it increases our joy. It also increases our faith. Some of you may have read uh, Ann Voskamp's A Thousand Gifts, where she talks about this idea of walking through her pain and then expressing in, in journals. She says that she had journals all over her house of just things that she, were, she was thankful for. And uh, it says what she, what she realized over time was that it was easier to pray for things that seemed impossible uh, after walking through this practice because as she just began thanking God for like these really small things in her life, she realized that like midway through her day around noon, God had really already been faithful to be kind to her a hundred times already. He woke me up this morning. I had 
you know, one, one last little bit of toothpaste in my toothbrush thing this morning. So I was able to do that. And like, I was able to, my, my kids woke up and they were in a good mood. I mean, all the different things that like, she then began aiming that back to the Lord and like, this is a gift from you. This is a gift from you. Thank you. This is a gift from you. My, my bacon tasted good. My, you know, whatever, like all these different things. And what she realized is that when something actually happened in her world, her faith was so stirred by the fact that he'd been faithful a hundred times this morning that she was able to ask him of things and feel very confident, like, this is who you are. You're a faithful God who does kind things and good gifts come from you. And so I need you to do these things too. You've been faithful before, you'll be faithful again. And I think in so many ways, that's how we're supposed to live. And I think in so many ways, Jesus again is like, this is what, when this man runs back to Jesus, what he recognizes is like, this came from you. The other nine might go, this came from me. I walked, he told me to be obedient and go show myself to the priest. I did that. I walked and went to show myself to the priest. Maybe I did this for myself. And if they wind up thinking that, then they're in far worse shape than, that, than, than they were in the, in the past because now they think they can do something for themselves that they are, it's impossible to do. And so that will only lead them to experience dissatisfaction. It will only lead them to experience the pressure and the weight of like, I got to make my life great. But for this one, he understands you're the person who did this. And so from here on out, for the rest of my life, I'm going to go to you for things that are impossible. I'm going to go to you to experience the goodness in my life. I'm going to go to you to actually receive the protection and the joy and the fulfillment that I need. And so in so many ways, this actually led him. And this, again, this is why Jesus commends this. Like, this is the most healthy thing that you can do when you experience something good. So gratitude increases our faith. And then finally, it gives us rest. I mentioned this a little bit earlier. But Bill Johnson, I don't think I have this quote, but Bill Johnson says that uh, Thanksgiving agrees with heaven by acknowledging the truth that our lives are a gift from God. And I think, again, for the man, the one who came back, I think what he recognizes, this is a gift from God, and I met God, and now with the things that I need, he will give me that stuff. It's not on me. And I think if we don't recognize in our lives these small places where things went well in our business or things went well in our homes or things went well for our kids at school or things are going well in my hobby or my money or whatever, if we don't recognize that those things are gifts from God, we will then take that on and go, it's me, it's up to me. Things will go well in my life and it's because of me. And it doesn't make us stronger or better to feel that way. It actually adds a ton of pressure, a crushing weight of pressure. Because if it's true that good things only happen to us because we're able to do them by ourselves, then eventually all of the weight of the things that go wrong in our lives falls on us too. And so then it's, it's not going well because I need to do better. It's not going well because I need to work harder and then that messes up our family. It's not going well enough because I need to do this and do this and do this. Then all of a sudden your to-do list is, is through the roof and all these different things and you're carrying so much weight that it'll eventually crush you. And if you don't do it that way and take it on yourself, you'll push it on other people and say, my life's not going well because of you, wife, husband, children, boss, whatever. And then all of a sudden the weight will crush them instead of us. But the weight isn't for us to bear, and Jesus knows that. The weight is for him to carry. This is why he carried the cross, because he knew we couldn't carry it. And so in so many ways, this is supposed to be something, when we, when we say thank you to him, Jesus is like, I want to give you rest. Come to me, and I will give you rest. And so in so many ways, it's like, when you do that, you're acknowledging that you didn't do this by yourself, and you don't have to do this by yourself. What a gift that I don't have to make my life great, that I just can give it to the king of the universe and go, you do that. You make my life what you want it to be. And I can trust that you're going to do better than I will because honestly, I give myself in more trouble than, than I don't. And so in so many ways, I think Jesus is like, I want you, and he's commending this because he's like, I want you to experience my rest. I want your faith to me, in me to increase. I want you to actually experience the fullness of what you have in me. And the only way to do that is not just to experience the goodness, but then to express that back to me, not because I need it, but because you need it. So Jesus wants us to avoid 
not experiencing what he has for us. He wants us to actually experience the goodness that he has for us. So how can we practice gratitude? A couple of ways, very simple. Uh, Because again, I don't think they have to be profound, which if you've come up with profound ones, by all means, practice those. Those are great. Um, But one, begin your day with a simple prayer of gratitude. Um, There's a new show that uh, is called The Chosen Series. If you haven't watched it, it's an app. Download The Chosen. It's basically telling the story of the life of Jesus. It's brilliant. Um, It's really, really good. But one of the things they do is obviously in telling the life of Jesus, they try to express like how Jesus prayed. And they have these... um, because they're good Jewish boys, you know, Jesus and the disciples, they have these morning prayers, these afternoon prayers, and these evening prayers that they prayed because it was what they were supposed to do. And so they uh, pray them. And one of the things that they do, right, when they wake up in the morning, you see Jesus do this. He, he wakes up, and I love it. Uh, he wakes up, and he's like, I'm ready for some breakfast. That's the first thing Jesus says. And I was like, right, he's a real human who's hungry. Um, but then he stops right before he gets up, and he puts his hands out like this, and he says, I'm thankful before you, living and enduring king, for you have mercifully restored my soul. Great is your faithfulness. And then he gets up, and he goes about his day. And it wasn't this like long prayer where he's on his knees weeping like, God, please. you know, it wasn't it? It was just like a, just a short, quick, do we have it up yet? It's this short, really, really fast prayer of just acknowledging, I was asleep and could have died, but I'm awake and you have mercifully restored my soul within me. Great is your faithfulness. Just starting with that and being thankful right away. Uh, the second thing that we can do, uh, maybe you could start a, a journal. If you're a journaler, by all means, start a gratitude journal. Do that. I don't do that because, honestly, I'm not a journaler, but I tried for like three months, and it was really hard. Um, I was just bad at it, so I have different ways of practicing gratitude. But if you're a journaler, you should maybe start a journal and just, just do it like once a day or something like that. What are you thankful for from yesterday? And try and pick something that you're thankful for, and it can be small. Because what, I think when I was trying to do it, I was trying to make it really big, and it's, I just needed to say thank you that I got to see my wife and my kid today or something like that. But start a journal. I do think that there's something about that. And the study, the 2003 study by Edwards and McCullough, I think it genuinely proves that this is actually psychological. This actually helps us, and Jesus knows that. Uh, or at, uh, at our meals around the table, if you pray for your meal, which you should, uh, but if you pray and give thanks for your meal, uh, some people pray way too long in the food. You're like praying over the food and you're so hungry and you're ready to eat. And they, they're like, dear God, I want to start in Genesis and work my way to Revelation. And you're like, I just want to eat. Um, but sometimes instead of doing that, which is fine, if, you, if you're a long prayer during the meals and stuff, I just don't want to eat with you. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Uh, or I'll start eating during the prayer. But uh, the, one of the things that I think that we could do instead of actually praying is like, just, just have one person be like, what are you thankful for? What, did, what, what are you thankful for today? And just have them like, I'm thankful for this. And it's like, great, amen, let's pray. Or excuse me, let's eat. <laughs> we just prayed. But like, let's, let's eat. Thank you for saying that what you're thankful for. Teddy, uh, my son, sings this song, uh, Oh, the Lord is good to me. And so I thank the Lord for giving me. And he calls him Ward because uh, he's working on his L's, and he's like, oh, the Lord is good. <laughs> and it's really sweet, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but he says that, and then at the end, I normally ask him, I'm like, how has he been good to you? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you're just saying the Lord's been good to me, and so I thank the Lord. And uh, for giving me the things I need, like the sun and the rain and the apple seed, apparently we're really big about the apple seed. Um, that's, that's a really big deal, which I think is great. And, he, and that's what he says. He's like, well, for the apple seed. I was like, bro, you don't even need apples. Like, 
what do you actually think? Like, what is it, where has he actually been good to you? And it's normally about his Hot Wheels or that he got to see his friend at school or that he's eating dinner with, with us or something like that uh, or that he gets a cookie after or something. It's really simple, but like how beautiful that is that he's expressing those things. And I think in so many ways for us, instead of like doing the rote prayer around the table or something like that, like just go around, like what are you thankful for? What do you think? Or start eating and then do that while you eat because that's even better. Um, but that can be your thing where you're actually just expressing that to the Lord. Rainy and I will sometimes buy cupcakes for dinner um, and we give them, we, we get to eat them before our actual meal. And the, the reason we do that is uh, if the Lord did something really kind for us that day, it's our way of like marking that moment and just celebrating and, and being thankful. And so that's one of the things that we do. Uh, we also do it, uh, we started doing it if, if we were ever almost in a wreck in Memphis. Um, and then we started buying cupcakes like almost every day uh, because driving in Memphis is an act of faith. Um, but it was one of those things where it was like, okay, let's, let's shift it. And so if, we, if she, she was almost in a wreck and she, uh, it, the, the car swerved at the last minute. And so she calls me, she's like, I'm buying cupcakes tonight because I was almost in a wreck and we're going to have them for dinner. And so we do that and we bring them to the table and we get to tell Teddy like, hey, you get a cupcake before you eat your meal. And he's so excited. He's like, this is the best, but he has no idea. And he's like, why? And so then we get to express like the faithfulness of God. Like mommy was almost in a wreck and then God saved her. And so we're going to crush it by eating uh, some, some cupcakes before and just celebrate the goodness of God in our time. And he's like, this is amazing. You know, he loves, he hates eating his meal, but eating a cupcake, he has plenty of space in his stomach for that. And it's this wonderful thing is like, we're just celebrating and we're remembering and we're being thankful. And let's do that with some cupcakes because it's better to do that with cupcakes than without. Um, and so and sometimes we get Gibson's donuts too because he loves those things. But finding spaces and finding ways just to express your gratitude so that he, one, experiences that and grows up with that. But then two, that we experience that too. And it's not just I'm grateful, but like I'm grateful and I'm enjoying a cupcake, which again, gratitude and cupcakes go really well together, y'all. I, I promise you. Um, last thing I think we could do is not just mark the moments with celebrations, but mark out gratitude days. Um, I don't have this quote because it was really long, but Pete Gregg, this uh, pastor in the UK and an author, writes about the, the miracle at Dunkirk uh, during World War II. And he tells the story that, all the, obviously, if you've seen the movie or you know the history of that, they're stuck there and all the troops are there and there's so many of them. And um, they basically call for a national day of prayer because they just assume everybody's going to get killed except like 10%. They think that like, maybe we'll get out 30,000 people um, by the time the Germans come in here and raid and just kill everybody. And so they call for a national day of prayer and people pray. And then some, for some reason, even historians talk about this with Hitler, that for some reason for three days, like, he called off like, the, the air attacks and all those different things. And his generals were so mad. Historians still say like, they're all confused by it. And we obviously would attribute that to the Lord answering the prayer. Uh, but in the midst of that three-day time where he chose to call off um, the air raid, they got out not just 30,000 people, they got out like nearly 350,000 troops to, to get them out and get them across the way. And that's why they call it the miracle of Dunkirk. They really believe that we call it a national day of prayer. They have pictures of all these people going into cathedrals and churches and all this stuff, and they're praying and asking God, would you please do this? Uh, and that's a really cool story, the Lord's faithfulness in that. But two weeks later, they call a national day of thanksgiving, and they go back to the churches. And it's not to pray and ask God for, to intercede, but it's just to thank him. Like, you did amazing work here. And so now both of those days are remembered, not only the miracle of Dunkirk, but also the national day of just Thanksgiving. They don't call it Thanksgiving. But they remember those days. And like, this was the day that we actually took some time to go back and say thank you 
to practice what this one leper did. Like, we actually want to go and say thank you. And so it's a gratitude day for them. And to me, I think we actually celebrate too little in the church. And as Christians, I think if you read the scriptures, we're constantly told to throw parties and to do these things to celebrate the goodness of God. And so I think you should add some of those things in. Like, just have a day once every quarter where it's like you invite all these people over and you just celebrate and you're thankful. And the whole vision of the whole thing is like, we're going to eat some really good food, drink some really good drinks, and we're going to be thankful because we're alive. I have friends. We have food to eat. We have drinks to drink. And just be thankful together about those things. And that's it. Like, you don't have to have a prayer meeting or anything like that. I mean, you can, but I mean, just, just something to celebrate and to mark out these days. And like, why do you throw a party once a quarter? Like, is it somebody's birthday? Is it Thanksgiving? You know, is it like, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just grateful. And I want everybody to experience this. And I want to look back over the last quarter and just celebrate the places and the times where God has been faithful to me and be thankful for that. Everybody else can crush Thanksgiving the fourth Thursday in November, but we can do one in June, y'all. I'm mean, just telling you, like, we can actually make that happen, and I think it would be so good for our souls to actually look back over the last couple of weeks and to do that. I did this yesterday. Uh, we just got back, uh, me and my team, from taking 70 students to the beach. Pray for me. Um, and it was, it was wonderful. It was really good. But three of our students got sucked out by a riptide and like had to call the police to come with like a whole thing and go out there and get them and bring them back and they're alive. Like, and we didn't know that they were going to be. Um, and that's never happened before, but that was terrifying for a bit. Uh, and it took an hour and a half to get them back in and they were treading water for like 30. I mean, it was just crazy. Um, but they were alive, like, and they, they, they're back safely, and everybody's good. And then the ways that the Lord met us throughout the week, and the people who came to faith, and the seven students who wanted to get baptized because they came to know the Lord on that, that was like just a really wonderful thing. And so we got together yesterday. We tried to go to Torchy's, and then it was like, well, we can't celebrate here. So we went to Swanky's because nobody eats there, and we went there, and we basically had the restaurant to ourselves. And uh, we, we were in the back and uh, we got there at like six and we shut it down at like 11. Like it was just, we were the last people there for five hours just telling stories and reflecting and being thankful. And we ate really good food, way too much. And we drank really good drinks because they had a full bar. It was wonderful. But we just celebrated. And it was, it was just a time of Thanksgiving to mark a moment and go, we're back and they're alive and it was good and you were faithful. And it was just the joy that we felt has to be the joy from the Father. And so to me, I feel like if there's a space in your life where you're going, like, I'm not experiencing the joy, I, the best thing that you could do, throw a party, invite your friends over. I promise you, whatever joy you feel from having those people there as you're partying together is coming from the Lord. It's coming from his heart into yours. And so my encouragement to you as we consider all of this stuff is to find ways in your life, profound or not, simple or really, really big things that you can do, things that cost money, and then things that are free just to actually express gratitude. I think what Jesus has for us is something that he doesn't want us to miss, this joy, this thing that I'm commanding you to praise me, but it's because I want you to enjoy me. It's not because I need the praise. I'm, I'm fully capable in and of myself. I, he doesn't need any of that. But he's like, when you do this, you experience something far greater. When you're even in, in very difficult times and challenging times and you're wondering, like, I don't, know, I, have, I don't know that I have anything to be grateful for. Clearly, that doesn't really matter because the nine had something to be grateful for and they, didn't even be, they weren't even grateful for it. And so the possibility of us missing out on things that, we, that are in our lives that we could be grateful for is very high. And so for us to search our souls and to search our lives and to ask the people around, I just ask them, say, what should, what in, you look at my life. What should I be thankful for right now if you really have a struggle finding one? I promise you they'll be able to say that. So my encouragement to you is don't miss what Jesus has for us in this practice of gratitude. There's so much there, and it seems so simple. 
And yet there's something so profound that happens in our hearts and our souls when we actually step into this practice. Things that are dead come to life. Where there isn't joy, joy actually is born. And I think this is what Jesus has for us. Let's pray that he would make us a thankful people. Father, I'm grateful um, that you were someone who was grateful. Uh, You constantly were praying to your father, Jesus, and saying, thank you, oh God. Thank you, Father. Um, Just a heart filled with gratitude. Um, Lord, I pray um, that we would experience the fullness of what you have for us just by the simple act of being thankful, not doing anything, not earning it ourselves, not conjuring something in our own strength, but just watching you do things in our lives like waking us up and allowing us to sleep and allowing us to watch golf on Sunday and allowing us to spend time together with people that we like. Um, God, I pray you just want us to be thankful, not to do any of that, but just to be thankful for the ways in which you, you break into our world so that you can bless us with the enjoyment and the fullness that you have for us. God, would you help us by your grace to step into that and to live into uh, what you call us to so that we can experience, again, everything that you want to, want to and long to and died to give us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. Uh, and the reason we take the Lord's Supper, again, is, is supposed to be a remembrance to be thankful. Every time you do this, remember me, Jesus says. Like, do this in remembrance of me. Be thankful for what has been accomplished. Um, on the, the night that Jesus was betrayed, uh, it was Passover. And at Passover, you were supposed to have bread, wine, and lamb. And Jesus has bread and wine, but no lamb. There was no meat to eat. And the reason was because Jesus is the lamb. He's, there's, a, there's bread and there's wine, but he's the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And so they didn't need meat. They didn't need any of that because he's the one that was going to be sacrificed for the people. And his blood was going to be spilled so that uh, we could actually be set free from our sins. And so now we remember Passover. We remember him covering us by eating a piece of bread and drinking uh, juice that looks like wine so that we can actually, again, just have a moment where we can be thankful and go, you have covered me. You took care of the greatest issue and need in my life. Certainly you can take care of the smaller ones that I'm dealing with right now. And so my encouragement to you is take some time Consider where you're thankful, not just for the sacrifice of Jesus, but other places in your life where maybe you've missed. And he's not guilting you or anything like that. I think he's, again, just calling you to enjoy him. Take some time before you do that and just be thankful before him for small things, whatever. If you had a good hair day, be thankful for that. That's a big deal. I don't have hair, so I promise you it's a big deal. I miss those days, y'all. But be thankful before him and then we'll take the Lord's Supper. Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying take and eat this is my body take and eat and then he took a cup and again when he had given thanks given thanks he gave it to all of them saying drink from it all of you this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins Thanks be to God.
all my words fall short I've got nothing new How could I express all my I could sing these songs as I often do, but every song must end, and you never do. So I throw up my hands, praise you again and again, is all that I have is. Hallelujah, hallelujah, and I know it's not much, but I'm nothing else fit for a king, except for hearts singing, hallelujah, Stand with us and sing. I've got one response. I've got just one move. With my arms stretched wide, I will worship you. So I throw up my hands. I praise you again and again. All that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah, and I know it's not much, but I've nothing else fit for a king, except for a heart singing Don't you get shy on me, lift up your song. Cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. So come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me, lift up your song. You've got a lion inside. You get shy and we lift up your song. You got a lion inside of those songs. Get up and praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lord. 
Thank y'all for letting me be here this morning with y'all. Thanks for singing, uh, you guys, and leading us. I'm very grateful. Um, I want to just pray over you. May the Lord bless you and make you a grateful people who are filled then with the joy of the Father. Go in peace.
Trouble in my way. I've had to cry sometimes. I had to cry sometimes. 
trouble. That's all right. That's all right. Jesus, he will fix it. After a while, after a while, stepped in the furnace. Stepped in the furnace. Long time ago. Long time ago. With Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. And Abednego. Now they wasn't worried. This I know, this I know. I heard him say, Jesus, Jesus, he will fix it. He sure will fix it. I know Trouble in my way, trouble in my way. I've had to cry sometimes. I have to cry sometimes. So much trouble in my way, and it made me cry sometimes. She drank and was made richer From the water he gave her And it was not in the well Yes, gave her water Jesus gave her water Jesus gave her water I wanna let his praise swell Jesus gave her water He gave that woman water Gave a living, loving, lasting water And it was not in the well she ran back to the city, crying glory, hallelujah, and did his wonders tell. She left my Savior singing, she came back to him bringing 
the time she had a water alone and it was not in the well. Yes, gave her water, Jesus gave her water, Jesus gave her water. I wanna let his praise swell. Jesus gave that woman water, gave her that loving, lasting water, water, and it was not in the well. Lord, that woman left for shouting. There was no room for doubting that she had met a savior who did her wonders tell. Every time she doubted him, she start to think about him. The man that gave her that water, Lord, and it was not in the well. Yes, gave her water, Jesus gave her water, Jesus gave her water. I wanna let his praise swell. Say you gave that woman water, gave her that loving, lasting water. Water, 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 loving water, and it was not in the well.